0: Jesus was perceived as an activist, agitator, and grassroot organizer, challenging the status quo. Jesus was disrupting state laws and creating a horizontal relationship between God and God's people. Pharisees and religious rulers challenged Christ's authority and authenticity. They were jealous of Christ's growing influence and power. The public officials were especially against Christ's proclamation that he is the Son of God. The goal of those who opposed Christ was to expose Christ as a fraud before the people. However, the more they tried to cross-examine, provide riddles, and aim to get Christ to contradict Christ's self, the more they failed. I was informed that Reverend Seth preached on this scripture during the journey of Lent. And that makes sense because this scripture is a part of the Passover narrative. Passover is taking place as Jesus prepares to enter into Jerusalem. I love the beautiful imagery of Christ's arrival to Jerusalem with great fanfare. There are palm tree leaves thrown at Christ's feet. Christ is chauffeured by a donkey. People are adorning Christ with praise. All of this is happening And there is a plot to set up, arrest, and kill the one who comes as a messenger of peace and harmony and love. Folks were envious and indignant towards Christ. They challenged Christ to denounce all of those praises. To them, this was blasphemous. They challenged Christ to reject the praise that was reserved for rulers, soldiers, and for God. Still, Christ understood that scripture was being fulfilled. Even more so, Christ could not reject the truth or interfere with due praise unto God and all of God's great creation. This was when Christ responded, I tell you that if these people should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. If the people should fail to glorify God, the praises would still prevail. If the people should fail to lift up for all of God's great creation, it would still prevail. Politics, murder, idolatry, and greed will not quiet the praises due unto God for all of the great things God has done. It is important to note that Christ used the imagery of nature to ensure this promise. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Amen. It is good to be here in the midst of this beautiful congregation. I failed to bring greetings on behalf of the board of directors of Community Renewal Society and our staff earlier. And I'd like to bring those greetings today with gratitude to be able to return home to a place that nurtured and shaped my ministry in many ways. So thank you for the beautiful music, the beautiful ministry, and all that you bring to our community. Amidst all of the chaos, political unrest, plots for murder, people seeking liberation from socio-economic disparities, racism, sexism, enslavement, and the like, there still remain elements of celebration and exaltation. There was evidence of hope, joy, and wonder in one who was a liberator, a redeemer, a peacemaker, and an answered promise. Christ's very presence in their community, among the poor, the working class, the disinherited, the broken, and the least of these, perhaps was a measure of comfort that God saw the farmer, the sharecropper, the carpenter, the milkmaid, the gleaners, the house servant, the enslaved, the sick, and those beyond the margins. There was power in Christ's rebuke of the Pharisees, because in those words, I tell you that if these people should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. There is also a promise and assurance that the circle of praise and faith will not be broken. Christ used humble elements of nature from the moment of Christ's triumphant entry to emphasize the fulfillment of scripture, to illustrate our interconnectedness with all of God's creation, and to illustrate how accessible God is to us, to all of God's good work created in the beginning. This creation included animals, plants, and trees, and the land alongside the sky and sea, In this scriptural narrative, the donkey, palm leaves, and rock represent each of these and in many ways align with the humble work of the people who gather to worship Christ as Christ entered into Jerusalem. In one of the greatest liberation stories of all times, God used nature to illustrate peace, harmony, inclusion, freedom, and justice. This is not by accident because Christ knew the socio-political and socio-economic conditions of the present times. In the backdrop of crying out in praise, there was also suffering and oppression. There were the folks crying out, those seeking liberation. This is why the state officials, the Pharisees, the religious leaders and the like were resenting Christ. What would happen if the people believed in freedom? What would happen if the people demanded justice? What would happen if they recognized they didn't need the, the, the faith leaders to intercede on their behalf to have a relationship with God, that they could go directly to God's self? Would they stop paying taxes? Or worse, would they stop paying their tithes and offering? Christ was disrupting a corrupt system. So they admonished Christ to stop the unruly behavior, reject this praise, but Christ could not deny Christ's self. If the people will not cry out, the rocks will. If we don't honor truth and righteousness, the rocks will. Rocks emblematic of enduring strength is also an emblem of the body of Christ. Did not Christ say to Peter that upon this rock I will build my church? How ironic considering the actual physical living body of Christ would very soon thereafter go to Golgotha with thorns upon his head and nailed to a tree to be broken as a pardon for our sins. It seems every step along Christ's journey to the cross, there is an encounter with nature bearing witness in some way to the injustices that loom. For example, when Peter, a disciple of Christ, denied Christ three times, a rooster crowed, bearing witness. If I may add as a point of reference, we could submit that throughout Hebrew Testament, revolutionary movements intersected with nature on the path towards freedom. Seas opened up to allow the newly liberated Hebrews to cross over in search of a promised land. Manna falling from the sky, rocks gushing out a spring of water, bushes burning without being consumed, wooden staffs transforming into serpents, famine, plagues that turned water into blood, and the plagues of frogs, lice, gnats, disease, livestock, hail, locusts, and darkness upon the earth for three days. Nature was constantly intervening on behalf of the suffering. Nature was constantly creating pathways for liberation or aiding a liberator. Nature was constantly exposing truth in ways its human creation counterparts stubbornly resisted choosing comfort and convenience instead. This Earth Day Sunday with the backdrop of war, the disease of racism and bigotry, political unrest, climate violence, a global pandemic and the recent murders and attacks on worshipers in Jerusalem at the El As Mosque, one could say that more, the more things change, the more they remain the same. This Earth Day Sunday, I wonder what it would look like if we, Earth caretakers and stewards, would glean from the cries of nature and do the same, intervene on behalf of the suffering, create pathways for liberation, and persist in seeking and speaking truth and justice. What if we did this for all of creation? What if we didn't isolate creation justice and earth justice from human justice and human rights, but truly see their interconnectedness? What if we did for all creation what nature has been doing for all of us? Cry out. Cry out and praise with perpetual hope and cry out with lament with pursuit of justice. The narrative of the rock crying out in the worship, in worship of God isn't just about praise. Remember, God is God all by God's self. This is crying out to testify what can no longer be ignored or hidden under the rocks. Perhaps this is crying out to bear witness to our neighbor's suffering and needs, too. After all, we are each made in the graven image of God. Scripture says, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Perhaps God is teaching us through the humility of nature how to be not only keepers of the earth, keepers of the soil, keepers of the land, keepers of the beasts of the sky, land, and sea, but also the keepers of the kingdom keepers of peace, keepers of the beloved community, keepers of one unto the other, keepers of the Mosaic law to love thy neighbor as thyself. We do this when we care for the earth, the waterways, its skies, its lands, its humans, and fight to honor the God-living light in all of it. Fight fervently for fresh, clean, and pollutant free waters Fight to reduce plastic waste and debris that harms marine life and interrupts food chains and threatens to extend precious sea life. And unite with the people of Flint, Michigan. Unite with the water protectors of the Dakotas honoring their sacred ancestral land. Unite with them so that the water running through their sacred burial sites and ritual grounds can remain pure without the poisoning of oil seeping into it. This is also a matter of economic justice too, because when pipelines run through their sacred lands for government and private profiteering, it happens at the expense of disinheritance and the elimination of cultural memory. The descendants of the Dakotas have a right to their ancestral land free from pollution and exploitation. When we care for the earth and the waterways and land, Do so and unite with the Palestinians whose waters and lands have been annexed and cut off due to illegal occupation. During my travels to Palestine, I have witnessed personally the use of water as a weapon to intimidate, punish, and further marginalize a suffering community. The water for many of the Palestinian camps that have been confined to may be cut off for weeks or months at a time, and the people will not have proper sewage to dispose of their waste, wash their clothes, bathe themselves, sanitize and prep for medical procedures or the birthing of babies, or to prepare their meals. Waste would accumulate, and one can imagine the stench and the unsanitary conditions that people were subjected to. Where is the justice in this? In addition, without access to water to nourish their agriculture, olive trees, fruit and vegetables and livestock, there is no commerce and they are further pushed into poverty. Not only are the people suffering, but the land suffers and the animals suffers too. When we cry out for the earth, for the land, the skies and the waterways, we cry out for justice like those who sat by the rivers of Babylon with the hope. Of freedom. As a seminarian student, I also served on the staff of Trinity United Church of Christ, and I was one of the ministers assigned to the equal justice issues. We were invited to speak on a public radio channel about climate change and other environmental issues. One of the interviewers suggested it was a phenomenon to see a black congregation like Trinity engage in these conversations because, to paraphrase their words, black people don't seem to care much about the environment and recycling. The interviewer was incorrect. Historically, blacks in America have been the cultivators of the land. Blacks in America have been the caretakers, the stewards, the builders, the agriculturalists, the botanists, and the ecologists forced into labor and creatively reimagining how to repurpose, rebuild, and resist at the same time. I reminded the interviewer that if you go to the west and south side of Chicago and talk about recycling when there is a drought in grocery stores, nutritious food options, and green spaces for children to play, there would be a concern that you do not understand or care about the environment. This is the intersection of, at play when Christ entered into Jerusalem. There was very present suffering, and it was being ignored. It was silenced, swept under the rugs, and Christ understood the marginalizing and minoritizing conditions people faced. Everyone could not cry out due to fear of backlash, fear of being criminalized, fear of being penalized, Fear of being killed by state-sanctioned violence, militarized policing, and targeted because of their identities, race, gender, religion, and their economic location. The rocks would bear witness. The rocks would cry out. The rocks would expose these crimes against humanity. The blood-stained concretes would cry out for Laquan McDonald, just as Abel's blood cried out in the Garden of Eden after being murdered by his brother, Cain. The the children of Palestine throw rocks and their blood cry out to us when armed military police forces retaliate with weapons that do not compare to a stone in the hands of a child. The same stones cry out for the bloodshed on Good Friday and Ramadan when worshippers in Jerusalem at El As Mas were terrorized during their Friday's prayer because someone allegedly threw a rock at an armed soldier. The news called the Palestinians militants and referred to the Israelis as Israeli forces. The rocks cry out for truth-telling, justice, equity, and peace. The implications of war on the environment is also long-suffering. The implication includes air pollution, depletion of natural resources, climate change, and it not only disrupts human habitation, but also insects, animals, and other natural inhabitants in the ecological system. These implications can last for generations upon generations with the devastating potential of chemical, biological, and nuclear effects. Studies have also shown that normalized culture of violence is an environmental justice issue. A culture of violence is not relegated to gun violence alone. Violence is poverty. Violence is hunger. Violence is displaced in unhoused persons, an issue that I know is very close to the heart of this congregation and the work that you do in this community. Violence is racism and bigotry. Violence is domestic abuse. Violence is sexism and homophobia and xenophobia. Violence is the strategic placement of predatory lending cash loan shops and liquor stores on every corner of marginalized communities without affordable grocery stores and nutritious options. A child having to buy groceries from corner stores that profile you from the time you walk in is disruptive in violence. The impact on the mental health, well-being, and state of being is also challenging to the growth, stability, and general wellness of those communities. Building a Whole Food or a Trader Joe's is not the solution if those price ranges are out of reach for many. If a child is unable to go outside to safely play and take in the sunlight and be immersed in the freedom and joys and laughters of their youth, that is violent. And that impacts their growth, performance in school, their mental health. This is an environmental justice issue. The same goes for children bearing witness to a different type of domestic terror and war. Can you imagine the cultural and ecological impact on children exposed to bombings, military occupation, and civilian execution? Can you imagine the cultural and ecological impact on black and brown children at our borders for months at a time, encamped only steps away from asylum and clean water and nutritious food and rest from the running towards freedom. But they must witness children alongside their parents and siblings from European nations allowed in with an urgency of noun, and they are told to wait. They see families united and intact, and their families divided. This is an environmental justice issue. Christ taught us so much when he triumphantly entered into Jerusalem using metaphors of nature to teach us lessons of inclusion, love, justice, and liberation. Yes, we know we cannot be silent before God. We must worship and magnify God's holy name. But Our worship and praise remain empty if we do not also cry out amidst the suffering of God's creation, all of God's beautiful creation. We cannot afford to be selective about justice. Earth justice is justice for humanity. Earth justice is bearing witness to the gift and beautiful existence of life in each of us, even in those unexpected, wondrous ways. There is an African expression called Ubuntu. It means, I am because we are. We are because God is. And in this African tradition, Ubuntu is a way of life. It recognizes God exists all around us. We must honor every element of creation in order to honor God. We praise praise God by loving our neighbors. We praise God by being good caretakers of the universe. We praise God by being good caretakers of our own bodies, minds, and spirit. We praise God by seeing God in the valleys and in the mountains. We praise God by understanding water is a source of life that should be afforded to all and not weaponized. We praise God by denouncing racism and bigotry in all of its forms. We praise God by welcoming our neighbors in a time of need, albeit from Ukraine or Haiti or Cuba or Mexico. We praise God by telling the truth about war crimes and genocide for European nations and for African nations, nations in the Middle East, and for black, brown, Asian, and indigenous people right here in the United States dying by state-sanctioned violence and racialized violence. We praise God by bearing witness to the pains and sufferings and the joys and the hallelujahs. The rocks could not be silent because God is not. The rocks could not be silent because God is not dead. Remember, there was another rock in that story. A stone that rolled away from the tomb when Christ was resurrected, defeating death and ushering a promise of freedom and liberation and justice and hope for all. Perhaps that rock was the first rock to bear witness and to cry out about love, justice, and, conclusion, and inclusion. There remains evidence of Pharisees that exist today. They still deny Christ's message of inclusion, love, and justice. But we must be as resilient as the rocks praise and as prophetic as Christ's protest. We must cry out with the resolve that we are the rocks because we are the body of Christ. We are the living church. We are the witnesses of the promise and we are the stewards of love of this earth just as much as we are the stewards of the earth. I have asked for the songs What a Wonderful World and Where Have All the Flowers Gone to be included as sacred texts for further reflection. And I hope you will consider the timeless messages of those songs and their ability to bridge the gap between how we consider our roles as stewards of the earth and our roles as neighbors in this world. Those songs challenge us to consider peace, unity, and love over war, violence, and bigotry. Those songs carry messages of truth, healing, and our moral duty. I offer those songs also as healing bombs, messages of hope, and as calls to action, for our work continues towards actualizing these goals for a better environment, a better humanity, and a better world. Christ used the beautiful and humble imagery of nature to intervene on behalf of the suffering to create pathways for liberation, and to pursue truth and justice for all of God's wondrous and beautiful creation. This is earth justice. This is creation justice. This is a bold, harmonious love that allows us to truly resound in praise, to cry out in praise for the one who created all things and said it was good. Let it be so, amen.